fear. People are scared, scared of the ongoing transformation. Like, oh my God, I have to learn new things again. I have not even understood what digital really means. Now we're talking about artificial intelligence and now she's coming with quantum computing. Stop it, please. It's too much. Hey there, and welcome to our fourth edition of our Dismantling Leadership series, featured by Leadership Sprouts and the HHL Graduate School of Management. Our guest today is Miriam Meckel. Miriam founded ADA, a platform for digital life and the economy of the future. In our session today, we want to discuss if our leaders do bring the right mindset to face the impact of digitization and to steer a successful and healthy economy for our future. Our conversation often leaves the classic business context and reaches into the realms of politics, culture and psychology. It's been a pleasurable intellectual deep dive and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Thanks for listening in. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome. While other people are uh, dropping in over the next couple of minutes, as usual, I'm very happy to kick off our session today. Um, welcome uh, to everybody studying at HHL. Welcome to all the guests that we have uh, today. And a very, very special welcome also to Miriam Meckel and uh, my co-hosts Anna and Rolf. Um, this is our Dismantling Leadership Talk Series, where we bring together um, esteemed leaders um, to discuss, uh, especially with uh, Rolf, moderated by, by Anna and myself, about leadership topics at large. My name is Stefan Sugner. I am the Dean of HHL, um, also the Chairholder for Strategy and Entrepreneurship. And... Um, while we are setting up and letting more people coming and join us, um, again, Miriam, very warm welcome. We have been trying to get you to HHL for years, so I'm actually excited uh, to have you with us today. <laughs> and thanks for everybody uh, for making this happen. Um, Anna Gottschalk is going to moderate uh, our today's session, so I hand over to you, Anna, for kicking off our discussion today. Thank you, Stefan. Um, also from my side, a uh, warm welcome. I also looked into the participants list and I already saw also some familiar faces from Chihuahua, so also hi there. Yeah, Miriam, we are super happy to have you here. I just give a short introduction to myself, then Rolf can jump in, and then you have a long time to give um, an introduction about yourself, what you want to share um, before we start jumping right into the topic about leadership and your perspectives and observations around the topic in general. So um, for everybody who is new to this, um, to this session, um, I'm Anna. I've worked at Trivago uh, for five years in the role of um, culture development, organizational development um, topics, learned there a lot about leadership, um, what was what went well, what didn't went well, um, got a very nice playground to try out different things. 
Um, I have my background in psychology and neuroscience. So this is kind of where I have my glasses on, my biases on maybe sometimes. Um, and I was super interested in also a lot of things that you at ADA um, are doing and researching there. So uh, very interesting to also hear that more, uh, Miriam. But yeah, I'm today here together with Rolf uh, from Leadership Sprouts, um, where we try to bring um, our learnings and experience that we have made with leadership and thoughts we have gained um, to the world. Um, and yeah, that's about myself. Maybe Rolf, you want to go next. Uh, yeah, uh, very brief uh, because I think I think I, I bored everybody already a couple of times. So uh, I'm Rolf. I studied as well as HHL together with Stefan. Uh, we started our first company together uh, in the early uh, 2000s, and th th that first experience uh, was uh, very traditional. Uh, lots of investors, uh, um, and we uh, I diluted very quickly. I didn't have a say in the in the company anymore. Uh, so left that company, tried a lot of different things. Uh, one of them then later was Trivago. Uh, and uh, I think the most important thing that I did very differently to the first time, I did not uh, raise a lot of money, uh, but uh, started and uh, um, become an engineer myself. We developed uh, Trivago together and were building it more or less out of cash flow. And as Anna said, that was giving us a lot of freedom to try out a lot of weird stuff that uh, turned out to be quite successful. I think also really because of that weird stuff that we were able to try out. And yeah, and uh, today I'm I'm super happy to share some of these ideas to find other people. I realize that there are lots of other people who made very similar experiences. And I think it's time to also drive a new understanding of leadership and, uh, you know, also help to to define a new narrative of leadership. Thank you, Rolf. So I think I'm supposed to take over. Hello, everyone. Thanks for the invitation to uh, this wonderful event. And maybe I can just jump in because um, driving a new understanding of leadership, uh, especially in the light of what is happening in this world right now and how technological transformation changes each and every part of an organization, that is something that I'm really interested in, first of all, but also I'm really um, I'm really working on with uh, a startup I have uh, built uh, I've been building for yeah about two years, two and a half years now, and that is uh, Ada Learning. That's uh, basically a company that is dedicated um, to corporate development, innova innovative corporate development, uh, in uh, offering um, a program, a digital program for leadership skills, um, agile work, and uh, technology competencies uh, in the age of total transformation. Means also that we don't interpret technological transformation or te technology in itself as a topic that nerds uh, are uh, discussing with nerds, but uh, we we look at it as a basic um, cultural change topic that will um, change everything in our economies, in our societies, in our daily professional private lives. Um, it's basically about building the next civiliza civilization um, by technology, uh, with technology, on the fundamentals of technology. And uh, I think who doesn't understand what 
what's happening there will not be able to thrive. And so it's very important to do that. And we started in the German market that is uh, well behind, as we have learned in the course of the pandemic, um, because we are not in the position to connect our um, our health uh, institutions. We are also not in the position to really apply a tracing app that is helpful and working. And um, we are also not in the position to roll out a vaccine program like some other countries uh, did who were way behind before. And now it seems that digital technologies and uh, modern thinking and leadership have to do uh, um, a lot to do with each other and are very, very closely related to how a society and an economy can thrive, especially in the in the uh, times of, of a major crisis. But now I'm getting into politics, which is much too early. So getting back to myself, I'm doing a, a startup right now, but that's not what I've done in my life. I have been very serious before, um, and um, I, I started as a journalist, basically, uh, for, for TV stations, public uh, broadcasting and commercial broadcasting, did that for a couple of years. Um, I studied in Münster and in Taiwan uh, for quite uh, some time, and in the U.S., and um, then I got into politics, actually. I was uh, the government spokeswoman of the minister-president of North Rhine-Westphalia, which is the largest German state, and uh, secretary for media uh, Europe uh, affairs and international affairs um, for one uh, period of legislation. Then I've had enough of that, and I thought I will not stay in that field, but would rather go back to academia. And then I went to the University of St. Gallen and took the chair for communication management at the business school, which I have done for almost 10 years before I became the chief editor of Wirtschaftswoche, which no one who speaks uh, English can pronounce, but that doesn't matter. It's basically the, the business week of, of Germany. And um, I did that uh, editor-in-chief and publisher for five years. And out of that position, I developed ADA, um, this, this learning offer. I started my, my, um, uh, my first uh, intervention with, and then we um, turned this into a company because we uh, very quickly realized if we stay in um, the framework and the business thinking and the traditional thinking of a publishing house, we will just die which would be sad. So we thought, no, we won't. And so we will become a, a company on our own. And that has worked out. And now we have really grown quite a bit and we are self-sustaining, to put it like that. And we are having a lot of fun and we are really happy when the pandemic finally will allow us to do big events where people can even meet, not shake hands, that's not necessary, but meet and talk to each other face to face. So that's basically in a very short clip what I've done in my life up to now. Thank you. <laughs> very impressive. Uh, long list, very interesting, also very different stations. What you said, uh, what everybody says, who is about like, we need something new, we need something different, always comes with there is so much transformation going on. There is so much change going on. Um, I feel often we do not really pinpoint what it is. So I would like to ask you, what have you observed? What has changed actually in the way how, how we are doing businesses? So what is fundamental maybe that is different today than it was a couple of years ago? Okay, mm, that's that's a good question. I, I'm actually not sure whether everything has changed in a fundamental way or a paradigmatic way. I, I think everything has become much faster because of the internet and, and technology. 
and um, we have much more information than we had before. And that, of course, has an impact on, on how people deal uh, with uh, the information in, in the course of doing business. That's one thing I observe. And that has um, a rather fundamental impact on how to define leadership, as to my observation. Because um, if you think of like, like 50 years ago, uh, when I remember, no, not 50 years ago, I'm not that old, let's say 30 years ago or 25 years ago, when I entered um, the, the large office of a CEO of a German company, you couldn't even recognize the guy. Of course, it was not a woman, the guy sitting there because the, the office was so large that you, um, that you really needed to focus where is he sitting behind a huge desk giving commands to all the hundreds, thousands people working for him. So it was a very hierarchical thing. It was knowledge and authority based on hierarchical positions. And it was no interaction. I'm exaggerating a bit, uh, but well, yeah, that was actually how I have uh, uh, perceived and experienced it uh, many, many times. Um, and that has changed a lot. Um, if you just rely on a position uh, for your uh, personal authority um, and for convincing people to be on your team and to go forward with you and to try to change things, you're really lost. So you need competencies um, uh, from, from very different realms um, and not just knowing how to do things, but also soft skills, also empathy, emotional intelligence, um, motivational capacity to really be a leader. And what I observe is that, uh, especially in Germany, uh, also in Austria and Switzerland, which I know quite well, um, but that really differentiates um, us from, from uh, the Anglo-American uh, part of the world, also uh, some part of the Asian part of the world. Uh, what I observe is that we're on the verge of starting to understand what is happening here. And we're not in basically in uh, transformation, but we are starting to understand. And a lot of uh, leaders are really appalled by that. They don't want to lose their traditional position and they really ha have to, to grow in learning and applying that and making their experiences. And I think if we don't manage to get this done and to accelerate this transformation process of the, how we understand leadership and how we can thrive by using a new and modern um, approach to leadership, then we're really lost. And there was a, a study of the University of St. Gallen yesterday or the day before um, on um, um, elites. And it is really interesting to see that especially Germany has come down from number three to number 15 in an international ranking because elites in Germany are um, homegrown, male, white, rather old, not very diverse means, and um, not very flexible and risk averse. And that is everything of that is not helpful for the time we are just going through. Maybe, Rolf, you want to jump in or you have a second thought on this? I just saw you. I have so many, um, Miriam, so many thoughts about this. Uh, so, so many anchor points where I could jump in and would like to add to that. And uh, I can, can only say that I'm fully agreeing with what, what you said. Um, and there's so many, so, so much good stuff in it. So, so, so I agree. I think things are faster. Uh, so cha change is faster. And I think it's, it's based, for me, the question is always what's the, what the, what the, foundation of it right so why does it happen and i think probably information the speed of how fast information travels is probably the reason 
you know why we see this speed of change accelerating right and 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 i think the speed of change accelerates uh, accelerates in thousands and maybe millions of years right so i think this gets faster and faster and faster but i think nowadays and i think that that's what what what, what makes the last 30 40 years different from the time frames before because i think before i think for a human being uh, it was really hard to 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 observe this accelerating speed of change right so because people were still having one job they were going once to university they were learning for it they were going into the job they were staying in that job they were doing it in, you know and and they were not seeing that that change the speed of change right now the speed of change has so much accelerated that we we, we just cannot cope with it in the same way so because we realize that we cannot stop so we cannot learn once and then get bored or get get basically get into a world that we are have been explained and then we operate in this world right so this is the, the old idea of education so you 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 know you get you get to a point and then you can go into the world but we realize we are in this world and like two years later five years later this world has, has changed and we have to adapt and that puts us under a huge psychological pressure yeah and and i think that is really what what's different today so so not only that the speed of challenge accelerates but it's now in our lifetime and and we have to we have to cope with that and and uh, that is that's coming with a with a pressure that's coming within uh in, like that, that that needs very different ways of how it, it, in what of what kind of situations do we put people so that they can cope with this change what they they have the totally different kind of sense they need a different security level to operate in but also they have to be at the same time we have to give them some safety but they be also they also have to be open to change right so so and and i and i think i think we are we are really in a very 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 interesting phase because because you know like i i think what what you said miriam you know like we see that some people are understanding it they understand that they are now in this phase where what's going on you know like i have to change you know i i cannot do it that way but they, i think there's also a huge opportunity because I think the better we manage that transition, the, 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 the better we understand what's happening right now and we are able to react on what's happening, the more we are able to create way more value than those people who have not understood. You know, and, and I, I think that will be the big differentiator. The, the big differentiator of the future, like who creates value and who doesn't, is who has understand that the way the operating system on which we generate, uh, generate value has fundamentally changed and that we have to adapt to it. So, and that will be the differentiator in the future, basically on, on, on who creates value, who doesn't. And I think there is a big chance. So if we basically as a society understand that, if we build foundations for people to be creative on and so on, and, and have basically also a social system, which allows people to be creative on to, to, you know, to, 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 to have this safety net for themselves. I think if you all understand this very well, I think then we can, accelerate a lot you know and what what might be really slow right now and i totally agree that we have been too slow and many things that happened and that was very visible during the pandemic but i also see the opportunity so i was i was always on the positive side so i see the opportunity because it's not that there is other countries in the world or a lot of other big countries in the world who have where, where it's completely different right so i think we if we understand it we can change we can adapt and and i think what what could be and i don't want to drift too much into politics already but so what could be really interesting here is that we have the society where 
where we, 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 we have more society where we support each other, where it's not about, okay, the winner takes it all, right? And I think that could be a fundamental thing that could support us into creating a different foundation to cope with the complexity of this world. So I think to cope with the complexity, we need solidarity and we need safety. And I think that could work out pretty well if you use it the right way. Can, can I add on that <laughs> quickly? Because I think that's, that's a very, very interesting thought. And I'm totally with you. Also, um, regarding the idea that, uh, let's say, maybe even social um, uh, um, market uh, economy, that, that's basically basically how, how Germany, for example, ticks, but even partly Switzerland and a little bit less, less partly Austria and some other European countries could be a real value for, for driving change and also coping with the impact of change. But the thing again is that this is, in my opinion, related to um, the question of, of uh, timeliness and uh, acceleration, because that was one reason why we really... Um, Uh, figured we should do something about it, and that was basically why we we founded ADA. Because if you look um, uh, to to the West, you see the US, and they are they have a totally dis different system, basically different system. Where I would say it's a sometimes almost religious um, um, market economy, very liberal market economy, and they're driving check. And they're driving also the way how tech is applied in our um, our other uh, societies and, and economies all over the world and how people have to adapt to that, even in leadership positions. And then we look to, to um, the East and we see China. And again, totally different system. We have a very authoritative state capitalism that is basically um, driven by technology, but um, uh, disregarding everything around privacy, data protection, individual rights, uh, citizen rights, uh, and, and so on. So there's a huge gap in between. And my, my dream uh, has always been, and still is, that we manage to exactly put this into place, what you, Rolf, were just talking about, the social market um, uh, Economy based on technology, which might be a digital social market economy, or however you want to put this, that doesn't matter. But that could be, let's say, a third way for Europe to to thrive on technology, to modernize, also to take advantage of the eco economic um, opportunities that pop up. But for that, we need to be a little bit quicker than we are because technology and implementing technological systems means exporting rules of the game also. If we look at facial recognition technology in China, for example, and they do export the, these systems to, to Latin America, to Africa, to many countries, um, without any idea of protection of personal privacy um, in the, the justice system and wherever we are talking about this, then after a while we will have that. And, and the convenience of applying technology will um, make up for every um, worry uh, some thought about, oh, what about what's going to be happening to my facial data and so on. And it will just spread all over the world. So there is a huge chance, like you said, but still it's again related to a certain um, kind of, of uh, capacity we really now take and, and put into practice um, to not let all the different steps be done by other representatives of systems we might not want to have in our our uh, fields of uh, expertise and in our lives. I think I think we can I think we can contribute to drive drive innovation by I mean 
so 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 I believe, for example, or I not I believe, I experienced that empowering people, so giving people a safety net, you know, like within an organization, then empowering, giving them freedom, that this can drive a lot of a lot of creativity. Yeah, and I and I think the same can happen in a society. I think the you know, same thing. I mean, I think you I think you need safety and you need empowerment and you need and, and you need freedom for people to innovate. And and I think we could be potentially we could be um, forerunners for such a system. You know, I mean, I you know I think I think until the U.S. starts with universal basic income, that might take a while. And and it could potentially be in one or the other form. And I'm happy to discuss about which form is the best one. But it could be in one or the other form. It could be a huge driver of innovation. You know, and how how amazing would that be? Like giving more people like safety and freedom. And see like, like how how innovation comes out of that and how that will drive, right? And that would be the that would be the exact basically thing, you know, for a society that basically we try to do in a business environment. And I'm and I'm pretty convinced that we would see the same things happening. It's just a very long-term thinking. It it is it is it is a, a, it of it's of course it's always a high risk high risk scenario, right? But 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 I think I think it's something like you know at least going in this direction that could be a strength basically of not only Germany but Europe as a whole, you know. And I think we see it already. Like I think the Scandinavian uh, states already starting with with, with A B testing basically, yeah, uh, um, um, and trying an MVP, you know, and and seeing how it how it goes. And I think the same. I, I think I think that we could drive innovation in a society and by that really become quicker. Because, because I think, I think also when you're looking at the American system and this kind of hyper capitalism that we see, I think that we see also that it comes to an end and that it comes to it. it, it, it there is a, there is a, there, you know, I think, I think that it's, 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 it's not as productive as it, as it seems. Yeah. So of, of course, it's way more productive as what we are doing. Of course, like this is more productive. I think we had this discussion one or two, 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 um, uh, uh, um, of these meetings before. Um, of course, like this kind of like extremely targeted motivation into one topic and streamlined and all putting all the capital behind that is still better than everything that we we did in the past. But I think we might have an edge if we if we just don't try to be like they do it, right? But if if we try to create an, an innovative environment of the next generation, and I think I think that could be super super powerful. Super interesting because a lot of a lot of words that I hear is if people understood, or um, you know, like like we understand, they don't understand, um, and I feel like a lot of discussion. I mean, might it be on a on a on a um, yeah, and in society, or might it also be in business? I feel like we form a lot of polls. You know, like we are right, they're wrong. So my my question would be, how do you take people along? How do you take people, like how do you make old leaders understand that they need to change or that they, without creating kind of offense and saying like, you are the old version now and we don't need you anymore. Um, same, maybe also same with political systems or with ideas that are quite, uh, quite innovative where you say, okay, let's do basic income where you have a lot of people who also say, I don't want to have that. How do you how do you take people along, especially 
on a time where information is flowing very differently than maybe it used to be before. Maybe that's also an interesting question in general. So how do you take people on their journey, making them understand? That's a good question. And I, and I think uh, also your point in under, uh, using the word understand uh, uh, might also be uh, a first difficulty. Uh, I'm very sure I used it in, in uh, what I said before, but actually the experiences I'm having, uh, especially for example with our learning journey, is that understanding, yeah, that, that might be a part of understanding. So do I understand uh, what uh, entanglement and superstition, uh, superposition in quantum computing means? Well, um, maybe yes, maybe no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and uh, maybe it even doesn't matter, especially for certain things that I want to do and, and the position I'm at and the things I want to, to uh, contribute. Um, so understanding is maybe even just a tiny thing in it. I think two things are, might be even more important. The first uh, thing is fear. Um, people are scared. That's what I often experience. Um, scared of the, the, the ongoing transformation. Like, oh my God, I have to learn new things again. I have not even understood what digital really means. Now we're talking about artificial intelligence and now she's coming with quantum computing. Stop it, please. It's too much. I, I don't understand. But it's not about not understanding. It's about being scared that I'm not in the position then to deal with it. And I think that's that's something we have to tackle because it's basically a question of mindset. Um, and again, uh, this might be a little bit more difficult, for example, in Germany than in other countries because we have an uh, um, um, engineer's mindset. So um, I often talk to people uh, who are really dedicated to focus on the last percentage point, let's not deliver 99% of quality if we can do 100%. I mean, that's, I, kind of, I kind of admire that, but actually it often just uh, drags you down a rabbit hole and you get nowhere and not uh, to a market ever. So um, we have to, have to somehow uh, be a little bit more relaxed about that, I think. Sometimes um, getting uh, done is better than being perfect in the first place. And the second thing is getting to, to understand something doesn't mean that, that I have to really know about every detail because that's why there are experts and that's why people work together on teams. So taking away um, the fear that I can't cope, that's, uh, I think, really one first step. And the second thing is, um, and that's also about the, the concept of learning and, and um, really uh, motivating people to, to engage in these topics is that they somehow need to become an enthusiastic about uh, the future new technologies and really uh, grasping this as uh, opening up many opportunities for oneself, also for the team, for the organization, for one's family, whatever have we, and that it's it's uh, super interesting to, to try to figure out how I can be part of it um, and knowledge um, it's, it's little pieces scattered all over these large issues of, of um, being scared on the one hand side and being not enthusiastic about the future and taking these opportunities. And these two large issues, I think, um, somehow have to be tackled in the first place. Uh, and knowledge can be a tool, but it's not the, the target of everything. I, yeah, I would, I would 100% agree. I think when you, when you started to say fear i thought you said feel <laughs> and uh and actually uh, so i that's would also like good 
I would I would like to add that because it's not always what happens in your brain and not only in, it's not rational always right it's it's about feelings and and I think like uh, we, we for example Anna we, right we often discuss you know you can talk a lot about the new way of leadership and and a lot of people agree actually right a lot of people agree in the first place but they still don't implement it in their organizations because they do not feel it right so it's not it's not that it's in the system right it's it's rational rationally you can explain it but it's not in the system and i think that's uh, that's a really really big uh, a big difference right so what what i also uh, maybe, maybe i would totally agree uh, to 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 the points that miriam said but i want to add is what i am very scared about actually it's that that i think that we have a society that gets more and more divided and it's it's and and this division is driven by the people who mean it the very best. So, so I think that we, due to the fact that we have always more information, that we can connect to more and more people, I think what we see is that we have different development speeds within a society of people. So, and, and it's basically, and, and I think you can compare it to the way of how you look at relationships, right? So you have two partners basically in a relationship. And if one of them develops way faster than the other, you have them you know, stretching further and further apart. And there is a point when they, you know, even they love each other, you know, they, they're not able to basically communicate with each other anymore. And I think this, the same is happening in our society. I think we see very different development speeds of people. And the, because we have this information, we, we have this connectedness, I think that we have this elite group of people, right, uh, where probably most of us belong to, yeah, which is constantly self-actualizing. So they are constantly under, like trying to understand themselves, trying to understand the environment, are able to cope with the change, changing faster, 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 right? And 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 basically they stretch the the, the whole society apart because some are still able to follow, they understand the ideas of that 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 self-actualizing elite, but there is a lot of people who who just they are just afraid. Because for the, you know they, because they're not we not we do not take them with us or we don't try to take us uh, them with us and then we have a media landscape where that where that is even enforced the separation right so where, which tells these people you don't have to understand that you know it's totally fine you know it's just just uh, you know just uh, stick to the simple solutions you know they were always the best and they tell them they still work right so so and and I think that's very dangerous I, I so I I don't have the perfect solution I'm not saying stop self actualization because you're stretching the, the the society apart but but on the other side I think everybody who is self actualizing has has also responsibility to integrate you know and I think we have a responsibility to, to integrate to take people with us and I think there it comes to things like translation right because I think we have to translate the things and that's I think what we're trying to do now you know we have to translate ideas into something that like everybody tr understands so 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 I think it's it's important not to speak the whole thing you know drive this uh, this ideas further and further and further but also go to people and say hey you know let's let's translate it to to your language like how does this drive productivity so so you are an achiever your your most important thing is you want to drive productivity okay let's 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 go there and let's say why this drives productivity you know it's, and, and I think that's important. I'm, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan, for example, of um, uh, Verantwortungseigentum. I'm not sure even like what's the English word for that is, but it's like uh, like per huh? like like steward ownership. 
Stuart ownership. Yeah. So 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 where where, where like uh, where this new form of companies exist, where which are basically owned by themselves and so on. Like Philip Waldemar, for example, they they were here a couple of weeks ago and they explained that, right? So I think that is that's super super interesting. I'm I'm a big fan, right? But uh, but on the, on the other side is I think I think there we stretch really, you know, we stretch the society apart, and there's so much in between. You know, and and for for companies who say still say or or founders who still still stay, uh, you know, I, I you know no, I think I want to build a successful company, and I also want to participate. You know, and 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 we have to make office for them. We have to make office for for people who sit in in uh, in in big companies, and uh, and 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 we we have to try to integrate them. I think we cannot just create our like like evolve our ideas further and further, and and stop integrating the rest. Yeah. So how should a how does a perfect leader, a successful leader um, of today then look like? So what do you think is important? What kind of skills should he or she bring to run an organization that faces today's challenges and transformations? I don't know if something like that exists, a perfect leader. I think we could talk about some characteristics, some competencies. Um, and then it's, it also depends on, on the industry, depends on the kind of organization, it depends on the stage of transformation of the organization where maybe different characteristics might have to be emphasized, emphasized in, in a different way. I don't know. So um, I'm, I'm always a little bit reluctant uh, to... to um, come up with uh, some perfect model of, of anything because most of the time it doesn't work. But I think um, a, few, a couple of, of things come to my mind. Um, dealing with communication, being able to communicate, uh, not in a way uh, that uh, is related to giving commands, but really communicate as an interactive system of exchanging meaning is something that uh, a modern leader should be able to do and should have learned. Um, I think a leader should be more able to listen than to talk him or herself all the time. A leader should be able to ask questions and um, trust answers he or she gets from his or her team. A leader should be able to say, I didn't know that, and we have to figure that out uh, together. I think he or she should be really motivational, um, being able to come up with the larger, the broader picture, um, why um, everyone in the team is, is working on that respective thing or to what uh, aim or for what purpose also um, they are doing it. Um, a leader should be able to deal with uh, the laws of networks and uh, the transformational processes that happen in networks, also related to communication instead of relying on hierarchy. And a leader should be very adaptive in a way that... Every day you can face a total, totally different situation and it makes you a leader when you're able to deal with that, not by um, handing the pressure down to your team. I um, intentionally put it like that, 
but to trying to mitigate it, to trying to figure out uh, how the whole team can deal with it, those kinds of things. That are some essential things that come to my mind if you ask a question like that. You know, the, you know, there is of course this is basically uh, the question for me, right? Which I should answer all the time, and I always try to find a different, also a little bit of a different, different angle to it. I think I think that what Miriam said at the very end, I would start with that. Um, being adaptive, um, being able to listen, understand, process information. I think I think it's so. How do you how do you say? I, I think it's so it's so sad that the the basis of our idea of leadership is based on this idea of in the moment where you are a leader, you become a sender. You know, this is so so strongly ingrained into to our beliefs, right? And the, you are now a leader, now you are a sender. You're not a receiver anymore. And, and, <laughs> and it makes no sense at all, really. It makes, and especially in our today's environment, which is so complex and where, where we cannot deal with, it, with all the information, where we have to deal with the fact that we don't know, right? And, and, but, but we still have this idea from a time where maybe this was a case where there was a leader and he was knowing everything or never, he never knew everything, but, but where, where there was, where the information was made more centralized. Right. And, and we, we still, we still, so, 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 and, and this is still an expectation of a leader. So I have many seen many leader, including myself in the moment where you tell them now you lead, they, they, they pull a switch and while they were listening before, they were thinking that now they have to send and it has to come from here somewhere, you know? So, so it has just to, 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 to basically, here is the strategy and now you know it and you have to send it. And, and I think it's, 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 uh, it's so funny, right? Because, you know, just pulling the switch and being now a leader doesn't make you that person at all. You're the same person you are before. And, and I think it took me a very long time understanding that. So that was probably the, the time which I, it took me very, very long to truly feel it and to truly feel it and understand that this is not the expectation. The expectation is not that I'm the sender now, that I'm the one who marches in front and uh, everybody has to follow and comes always up with the best ideas and so on and so on. And I think in the moment where I understood that, that I don't have to be the sender and I I started listening again. I think, I think then I started also adapting. I started also becoming better. I started to process information better and so on and so on. I think, and I think that's an important, important part. Uh, so, so, and, and it's, it's so mean. Yeah. It's so mean because that's basically what we get from when we are very, very small child. These are the stories we hear. We always hear the, the, the leader story, the, the masculine kind of uh, decisive person that marches in, in front, like the, the, the brave heart and whatsoever. These are the people which are, which are kind of like, like, like the, the, they engrave this kind of idea of leadership into us. And, it's, and, and it takes a lifetime to understand that it doesn't make sense. You just said, um, that was interesting, you just said that it's not the expectation. I would say that a lot of people, they still have these expectations towards leads. I think it's also, it's not only ingrained to the leaders, it's also ingrained to everybody who's working in a team, or a lot of people who are part of the team, that they expect the lead 
to lead, to lead. Maybe it's also the word itself, but um, you know, to to go uh, and and we follow. Let's say you know, give us the strategy, give us the vision. Um, maybe you can share your experiences on this. But how how did you, or did you already worked on changing that expectation, or how, how did you? encounter those situations where you actually you said for example no i don't know i don't know either <laughs> but people said like no i'm really expecting you to do that because you are the leader well, I, I think um i mean basically that's the the shitty thing about facebook that uh, this company has uh, all educated us at being followers all the time uh, twitch are the same um that's just uh, it's 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 ingrained in the wording of course and uh, i have these situations too i think you're totally right Anna, that that uh, it's a cultural thing that you have the expectation towards uh, the leader And the leader um, learns this expectation as, as soon as you get into a leadership position, you think, oh, I have to know what's going on now. Oh, my God, I have to tell them. And this is very stressful also. And on the other hand, um, the team members um, also kind of expect if they are um, socialized in, in, in uh, such an environment uh, that the leader leads and says what is uh, supposed to be done now and what everyone is supposed to be doing. So it's a it's a it's a um, self-supporting um, mutually self-supporting uh, problem, and and that makes me come up with with the thesis that it's about a cultural uh, a transformation um, uh, topic because, uh, I mean, the role of of leadership, like Rolf described it, and and I tried to describe it before, also means that every team member has a very different role and needs to stri strive for answers and solutions him or herself. Um, means being open for taking responsibility on one's own uh, shoulders, um, being proactive, which many people really like to do. But that, that is a change process. If you come from a very traditional organization where it's not expected from you, and then you, for example, end up in a startup, then, wow, that's um, a kind of a culture clash that you might be experiencing then. So I think... Um, And maybe it's some some kind of joint exercise uh, then we are going through. And I, I have to admit that I also had uh, many of those situations where I thought, oops, okay, I think they are now expect me uh, to say something and to give some guidance. And sometimes I, I, I did it or I do it and sometimes I don't. And I say, I actually don't know. Um, and we really have to take time and work together on finding a good solution because when I, I can now come up with some, something, but actually that won't help us because you're not involved, it's not your solution, it's not your project, and it, it's going to be dying soon, period. So um, we won't be doing that. But it's it's a process, and we don't have that very often, but sometimes we have that. And uh, we also went through a process in our startup for yeah, maybe one and a half years where we really discussed again and again our values, our rules of engagement, our, our ideas, how we want to work together. Uh, we did regular re retros, um, one each month at least, to really discuss what, what went well and what went uh, not that good, not that well, and um, how can we change that? Um, and how is it... 
related to how we work together and who takes which role and things like that. So that's an ongoing process. I think it's becoming easier and easier probably because you're you're getting used to new ways of working together and new interpretation of roles. It's all about roles, of course, as well. Um, but it takes a while. That's my experience. And it's not done yet. Yeah, I, I... I think it's super hard. I think it's a very, very difficult process for the leaders. And that's why it's it's also, I think, taking such a long time. Although I think it's very obvious what happens. I think the transition process takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of time because it's so hard for the leaders themselves to go into this position, which is to, to change this idea of leadership, right? To change the 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 narrative themselves. Because, because, you know, first of all, they go into a, into a weaker position and the weaker position to go there needs bravery, right? I mean, I mean, I think a very good example that we've seen very recently is when Annalena Baerbock said, you know, I mean, whatever party you belong to, but but what she said was, you know, I, I think I don't have to be the expert on every topic. You know, I have my experts, right? And that, that's not my role. My role is not being the expert on every single topic. And and I think it was very interesting to see to see the 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 response, you know, because I thought, oh, of course, <laughs> that's not that's not a news, right? But but it's not what people expect. They seem to expect from a chancellor, for future chancellor possibly, expect from a future chancellor to know everything, right? And I was I was really I was shocked. I was two weeks ago or so. I was in an event of a I think. Was it St. Gallen or Zurich, the Grow? I don't know. Like, it's a, it's a conference. I was speaking there, and there was also Christian Lindner and so on. And, and I was really like, I was really shocked because there, there, the, the, in the panel, there were people saying, you know, like, and, and they were my generation, right? And they were all younger. They were obviously at a conference, the Grow, which was in the digital environment. And they were saying, really saying, I expect from a chancellor that they know you know everything and that they and that they you know can answer these questions you know and all of them and so on. So 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 it's really it's really interesting, right? That, that there are so many of us who still have these expectations. So when 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 it becomes crunch time, right? We seem to have still these expectations to our to our leaders, and and you know, so so I think this is this needs change. It needs development. It needs everybody of us to change and to develop that understanding and to let people do that, to let, to let people go forward and say, I don't know. And, and we, we, a lot of times you don't give people the room to do that. And, and I think, I think that's, I think one thing that I learned, so, 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 so I, I think I learned only early on that it's important, for example, uh, to give context to people, right? So I think that's the biggest problem often in organizations that the people who are working there, they don't have the same context that you have. They don't know the strategy well enough, the purpose well enough. They, they don't know the impact they have on the organization. So I think the, this context idea is very, very important, right? Making information transparent, giving context. So that's the first thing. I think then the second thing is empowerment, giving the freedom to act on it, right? To, to, they have the same information, give them the freedom to act on this information. I think... What took me the longest to understand is that the third element of it, you know, is basically how do I evolve this person? It's, it's freedom is not enough 
and context is not enough. You, you, you need also kind of this, you know, inner process in yourself to cope with that freedom, you know? And I think that's why it's why we put so much effort right into, into saying, okay, you have to work on the personal development of everybody, not only the leader, but also the team. So then they can cope with that new model so that they can cope with the complexity of the world so that they can cope with freedom. Yeah. So people always say not everybody can cope with freedom. That's true, but it's a, it's a matter of their, per, their personal development, where they are right now. That is that then they cannot cope with that freedom. You know, I think generally we have to, to, to allow for more freedom and, and we have, but we also have to take people with us. So we really have to, to, to give them room and space to evolve on a personal level so that they can cope with, the, with, that, with that freedom. Yeah. And the same, sorry, but I want, only wanted to say that, uh, is the same we have to do with society. Also there, we need a development process. We have to take people with us again, you know, and, 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 um, and yeah, and, sh and show them different kinds of leaders and different kinds of possible ways to go and give those more, these alternative models give them more visibility. And that's also why it's important to discuss about diversity and so on and so on, right? And that's the, the basic, uh, basically the hardest point, I think, because Anna also um, um, alluded to um, the very partisan uh, society we're living in. It's not as bad as in the US and in, in, in uh, Europe maybe, but yeah, well, we have some some outcome of that as well. And I think that's a, that's a huge problem because um, the example of Annalena Baerbock and, the, and, the, and being an expert in everything is one. The other one that, that really uh, appalled me was when the German Chancellor Angela Merkel um, before Eastern announced that uh, there would be um, one more day of rest uh, in prevention of the pandemic. Um, I think it was the Easter Saturday. And there was an outcry from every corner of society. And of course, from a from a um, logical point, you can criticize this decision. You can criticize that they apparently didn't think enough about how to set this into practice and what problems might come up. But then she stepped in, fr in front of the camera and said, I'm sorry for that. We realized it's not doable and we take it back. I mean... That I really found amazing. That's a leader in a political position after many, many years saying, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, and we correct this. And what happens? Major parts of society go for her like um, uh, a horde of wolves, um, uh, like she needs to step down. I really thought, I'm really living in a crazy country now. <laughs> because this, what, what's happening there is no one will ever dare to do this again. And this means we are snapping back into ancient, not just traditional, ancient role models. I'm the king of knowing everything. I will tell you where to go and you just follow me and I lead you into the ground and you will die, but be glad that you followed me. I mean, this is really crazy. I hate this, I have to say. And that makes me, make me so angry uh, that, that I really thought I, I really have to leave this country. I'm still here, so everything is okay, but um, that's unbelievable. And that is hard to change. I don't know where this com comes from, but society and, and the whole cultural climate, the, the public opinion climate is so anti-everything, so negative, not forgiving any mistake. There's no empathy. There is no willingness to be 
kind to each other, everything you could expect from a human, for example, compared to a machine who has no uh, free will and no uh, uh, validity and, and, and whatever have we, we could do that and we don't. And that is very sad. And for leaders, it's often very easy then to say, okay, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be doing this because I'm, I'm throwing myself out there and making myself so vulnerable, they will just stab me. I'm going to be die from reputation uh, damage or whatever, but I'm going to be dying. And so I'm, I'm, um, I'm sticking to the very ancient way of giving commands and not, ex not saying sorry for anything, not caring about anything um, else, and that's it. That's the basic hurdle, a huge hurdle for, for the change that needs to happen, I think. I'm negative in this part, I have to admit that, but some observations really, really worry me, have been worrying me for a while now. Maybe a major impact change could be on education. So also a bit as a closing question and opening up to the Q&A is, um, I mean, Miriam, you hold the Professorship for Communication Management in St. Gallen. It's a huge university also um, who releases a lot of students uh, to the business world's uh, future leaders. Stefan, you... <laughs> You you share a similar uh, um, responsibility, also as a as a um, in in this business mindset, like sending you young students and educating students who will become leaders and um, owners of organizations uh, in the future. So maybe we can change already a lot there on what we teach. Now, if we look like very seriously and very honestly at our universities right now and what we teach there, everything needs to change. What do you feel is a narrative that we keep talking and keep saying and where can we change something? Before I say something, I think at universities we're actually quite late. Um, and uh, all this behavior, all this, this uh, culture and society starts way earlier. So um, I believe if you, if, you, if you think that education plays a role, I believe that we have to talk about early education and, and primary school, school, etc. However, um, what is the advantage of a university-like setting is that uh, people coming to us, at least at HHL, um, everybody has a bachelor's already, at least. Um, those are more or less mature people who want to reflect. And I think, and, and, and the interesting thing is, when you come to us as student, we realize since Bologna, and I have to admit, I'm not a friend of Bologna. I love the European Union and the idea of Europe, but this um, Bologna process has been over-engineered by Germans um, because basically what they did is they said before you had Grundstudium, so in two years you learn the basics of whatever field you study, and now you have three years, but we put in the content of six to seven years. Um, and basically what happens is you leave school, you have a clear schedule where you need to be on Monday at eight, and now you come to university and you have a clear schedule where you have to be on Monday at eight. And I see that in our graduate studies, um, we have to relearn learning and thinking. But this then has an impact. Sessions like these, where it's very valuable to have, to have people coming here, um, giving intellectual impulses, to start with examples and own experiences, start a reflection process with those participating. And this is, this is what we can do. Plus, of course, we have to uh, revive our own curricula, um, going more in the direction of 
um, reflective thinking application, but also um, reconsidering what content we teach. So, I mean, there are courses, um, including mine and strategy, where we still have content from the 70s and 80s of the last millennia, because I believe it's still worthwhile, but at least we have to think about that. And we have to continuously think about what are the experiences that we're making, both in research um, and in practice, and, and, and what do we need to discuss? And I emphasize discussion uh, with students to actually be pre prepared to become more resilient and, and hopefully more open. Um, that said, at HHL, we live in a bubble, right? It's a, it's a little reinforcing bubble. We have 40% international students, um, uh, gender diversity is business school typical, uh, not so ausgeprägt, um, it's not so uh, well developed. Um, but we live in our own bubble, and we have to also understand that, and I love your comment there, Anna, that when you become a leader, as I've said, um, you, you want to be a sender, but actually you should remain a listener, the organization expects you to be a sender. And, and that we have to do with the future leaders, the students coming to us, uh, discussing with us, understanding that you have not only to look at yourself when you come into a leadership position, but you also have to look at what can you ask from the organization um, to not receive what Miriam said, that total anti-mirror. Because if I go there, people expect me to be a leader and I tell them, guys, Let's be participative. Let's play the startup culture. Uh, I'm very interested in your opinion. You lose trust in many organizations, at least in Germany. I know if you have different opinions on that. Maybe Miriam goes next before Rolf jumps in. <laughs> well, first of all, I think um, uh, I agree with a couple of things uh, Stefan said that uh, university is too late already. We have to start much earlier. Uh, we have to educate the educators as well, like uh, especially um, German teachers, for example. Um, uh, the, 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 the school system is uh, doesn't reflect much of what we are talking about uh, tonight. And of course it could. I mean, you don't have to be intellectually uh, on a high flyer level to understand what empathy means, what listening means. You can you can do that with children uh, already, and that will be very good. And uh, I also agree that institutions, also like universities, encourage uh, traditional leadership role models, um, as we saw in uh, the pandemic again, um, uh, how, uh, for example, video uh, teaching was set up. I mean, uh, really, uh, I, I see colleagues sitting in front of uh, a computer and um, holding lectures hour after hour, and everyone else is without a video. Um, uh, you, you look, on, on, you watch the screen that is basically black with white names, and you wonder that probably they're going on a date or doing exercises at home or cooking lunch. I don't know, but that, that's not how you can do this. So, I mean, um, there's there's a lot to do uh, in, in education. And I think we are starting to, to rethink that as well in terms of trying to combine aspiration, which is fine, uh, but with inspiration and especially with interaction with um, enabling others to teach themselves, um, thinking about new uh, modern pedagogical concepts uh, like that you really learn when you start to explain what you think you've understood 
to someone else and discuss it then and the the whole um concepts of flipped classrooms and things like that coming up now i think there's there's a lot um in that and we just we have to leverage not just we have to leverage it and that uh, will be quite a task as well in the education system that's not that different from what we talked about before i think just just one thing about uh, what um what Stefan said i think I, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think, I think, just we what we have to. I think we have to give a tool set to um, to students, and this tool set is this translation work that I spoke about. So I think it's not. It's it's still good to give them the right. You know, like to give them a chance to develop an own mindset of leadership, right, and not to trust on the old ideas. So I think just telling them, hey, you know, this are this is what expected from you. That's why we educate for it. You know, I think I think. That doesn't, for me, make so much sense. But whenever we send them in, into 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 the corporations, I need that they need the tool set of translating, you know, translating and saying, okay, I, I know where this organization is, where it's coming from, and you know, how do we translate this? You know, how do we how 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 do does my mindset? How do we how do I integrate that? How do I integrate people? So, and my experience, at least. With not so many examples, and it's probably not enough on a on a on empirical level. But but the people who I, I see, for example, who come out of the Trivago world, you know, and have been kind of grown up very differently, and they go into other organizations. I don't see them in these organizations being put aside and where people say, We don't want to listen to you. So usually that doesn't happen. So I think I see them usually having quite uh, quite a significant impact on the organization, yeah. And and so I, I somehow they seem to be able to find people and, and to integrate it. Sometimes they are, of course, they're getting frustrated in organizations, right? So that's a, that's a problematic thing. Then they they change into other organizations. That's happening, but but they usually find a place where they can really like create a lot of value and usually also. Um, so um like like get a chance even in the in the in the in the more conservative environment get a chance to progress get responsibility so i think i think that's very interesting to see so i would have the initially i would have the same impulse that you have but these people seem to be able to perform on the old metrics if in the moment where they find an environment that somehow allows to it, I, I agree that there are environments where these people will never be happy. That's probably true. If I may add to that, Rolf, but isn't that also because they were at Trivago and when they come to the new organization, I would say, you know, look, there's a peacock coming. He's different or she's different. So we expect her to lead differently. Because you have been... Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if you create more organizations like that, like universities, where people say, look, there's a peacock coming from HHL. This person is different. We want that person because of that. Right. Could be. True. Speaking of integrating people, we have a few questions in the chat. And <laughs> if I may, I would like to take one up because it's not a question, but an interesting comment. Kirill wrote at five minutes to seven, Amen. I would like to understand what does it mean? What does Amen mean in this regard? Hey there. Thank you for taking the question. Amen was alluding to when Rolf was speaking uh, that we need a fundamental change and that 
we don't always need to just um, train up leaders and companies, but also the whole force. So people that are actually working. And that's why I said, amen, Rolf, because that is 100% true. So yeah, thank you for that. Thank you, Kirill. Amazing. That was a nice slide over into the Q&A and uh, the questions. Um, I hand it over to you, um, Stefan. You can feel free to moderate us through. Thank you very much. Um, maybe because it, it, it fits nice with what we discussed last, I would like to invite Adeline um, uh, up here to um, ask her question on, you know, you're on the, in the leadership position, you know to how and you need to change, but how should I actually do it? Adeline, please. Yes. Um, yeah, I wonder, is it really possible that I can go through a digital transformation if, uh, if I'm a traditional leader with maybe 20, 30 years of experience and successful uh, in a successful career? And then I realize, hey, I have to change now, but I have to change really fast. Is it possible? And if it yeah, and can I be the leader? Can I still be the leader of the company? And uh, which conditions should I uh, prepare for that? For my for my personal development, executive coaching, dual leadership, or maybe sacrificing myself? I just, I, it's all an option. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> No, definitely. It's all. I mean, and and if you if you are like a good leader, and if you're like sometimes it it's time to say I'm not the right person, and I think that's the strongest move that you can do. Unfortunately, it's it's again a move that we don't respect usually in our society, but it would be a very strong move sometimes to to, to step aside and say, hey, hey, maybe I'm not the right person anymore to lead. So, but but that doesn't help right now. I think to answer your question, so. Um, I, I can just tell you like, like, I mean, I, I had not the ideas that I have today, the understanding or, or the feeling that I have today about these things. I, I didn't have that, uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago or so. Right. So, so I also went on a development process. So I, I truly believe that people can change. I, I am, I'm a hundred percent think that perspective can change. And the, unfortunately, this change is not a change that happens from one day to another. So I have never seen this happening or rarely happening. So, 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 so change of personality is change of adapting, learning and so on. That this is really changing your mindset, not only taking something over because I don't know, Miriam said it or Rolf said it or whatsoever, but, but just really feeling the, feeling the th things differently. That takes time. And I think that we don't leave people enough room to change themselves. So because, because people are usually so caught up in their day-to-day -day business, right? Into the next goal, into everything. And then I have to, you know, I have to, to care for so many things. How can I care for my personal development on top of that? <laughs> you know, and, and to me, this sounds ridiculous because it starts with the personal development. You know, it always starts with the personal development because that's the accelerator. That's a, that the catalyst for all everything, for all the value that you can create. It always starts. That's the most important thing. But we don't give leaders usually the time. So starting with giving leaders time for personal development is already, for me, a first step. And give yourself time for personal development. Give yourself time for reflection. Find yourself a sounding board. People who reflect with you on an equal level. Um, try to get into a situation where, 
where you do not have this always this vertical communication, right? Because usually job communication in many ways is vertical. So, you know, like you get feedback from your boss, right? You know, that's not so helpful. You need, you need, you need situations where, where you are on the same power level, where you can, ex, you know, where, where you can exchange among peers. But, but, but building these, these circles where, where you get reflection, where you can care for your personal development, that's, that was super helpful for myself. I think that is something that we try to establish as, 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 as a very important factor in, in how we let a Trivago, for example, giving that room, trying to create that environment in which you can evolve. And, um, and at the end, yes, it's also coaches and everything that you said, but, but, but creating this room is important, you know, in whatever, whatever, however that room looks, looks like creating a space in which you can evolve. And, and, and I think, it, you know, I've just seen amazing things happening in the moment where you give people space and room to evolve. It's just incredible uh, to see that, you know, and, and, and basically the food is what happens on your day-to-day in your day-to-day life. And the food is not only what happens for this process, right? The food is not only what happens in your business life. It's usually also what happens in your personal life. The, the, the challenges that you go through, the, the crisis that you go through. That, I think that's the food, food that, that, that can drive you evolving and, and becoming a leader that can cope with the complexity way better. I think, Azeline, if I may add on that, you could also try to break down the situations you can get into, like a little logic puzzle. So basically, I think we could think of three different situations, um, that you have a very traditional organization and you're a very very modern, open, empathetic uh, leader. Or you have a very modern situation and you are a very traditional, hierarchical and command-oriented leader. In both situations, I think... You have two ways of looking at it. The one way is um, saying, oh my God, this really doesn't fit and I don't want to be dragged into um, changing um, against my my convictions. Then you really need to leave for your own sake and also for the sake of the organization. But if you see it in a positive way, you could say, okay, I really have to change, try to help change the, situ- the situation, um, motivate the people to come a little bit step by step along my way and open up with me, or um, you have to to say, oh, I'm really very old fashioned. I have to open up and come step by step um, along um, to to meet the people I want to work with. But I think it's interesting, and it could be my personal growth strategy. So in both ways, you could um, turn it into something very positive and and the beginning of a transformational journey you do together with the organization. And then even if you're a very modern, open and empathetic leader uh, in a very modern, open and empathetic organization, it still doesn't mean that you don't have to change and that you don't have to develop. So regardless of which part of the logical puzzle you find yourself in, I think, for example, executive coaching um, is very helpful. I would do that, uh, and I do it regularly. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Um, So I would like to uh, invite Koti, also known as Vero, um, to stage. Uh, Vero, please phrase your question. Uh, Thank you. I just really, I was really amused by... uh, your comment, Miriam, on like the the culture followers and social that social media is fostering, and that kind of led me to think about if the influencer will be the leader of the coming decade. Because if you think about 
like major social media scandals like Uber, for example, that had some discrimination issues and racial profiling issues, which ended up causing massive uninstalls of the app. Um, so so this, this whole culture thing is becoming so present that should a new leader translate their, their actions into becoming a social media influencer, constantly managing social media waves? Let me let me get, get this this right. You said you disagree with my example with the followers. No, no, I was like really. I, I thought it was really cool, and then it got me thinking. Okay, like if we ah, are okay. all following, then is the leader the influencer? Yeah, no, because I, I wanted to, to to get this right because um, we uh, Facebook calls us followers uh, or like I mean, I'm not on Facebook any longer, but Twitter also calls us followers. But of course, we're not. We are in many ways leaders by using our uh, communication network um, to, to have an impact. And the influence uh, influencers are doing this all the time. And the Uber example is a very good one. I was just, while you were talking about it, I was just thinking about the, the woman who came up with really accusing uh, the, the company of sexual harassment. And Oh, I saw her uh, speaking very, very movingly at South by Southwest, but I, I, I don't have the name present now. But this was one employee, one woman, who who um, really um, uh, was outspoken about what happened um, in in the company, and it had a huge effect, like like you said. So first of all, that shows us that leadership is not related to a leadership position, but you can do this uh, and you can have an impact while using your communication skills, while speaking up, um, while um, while using the network, organizing something like a communication campaign. And the second thing, right to your question, is of course, in every leadership position, you need to know a bit about how um, communication networks uh, function and uh, what uh, the, the, the name of the game and the rules of the game uh, are. So um, you should know about that and um, you, you can use it. I would say ideally in, in in good terms to to really um, be kind of transparent to really integrate uh, your your uh, employees your teams but also the the external world the environment into what you're doing um, up to the certain point where this is of course uh, possible but this is a way of thinking about in, in, in um, integrity in, in communicating that is very important. And I'm talking about the positive uh, aspects of how to, to use and um, to communicate via social media. We also know, of course, that uh, um, this, this um, um, basic... Um, very, very spontaneous uh, hate campaigns, um, whether you want to call them shitstorms or however you want to call them. I know you don't use the word in English regularly, but that is that is a problematic side of it as well, because you can also organize a lot of uh, communication trajectory against something um, that is um, maybe made up or that really ruins people who didn't even intentionally uh, um, get into something where they suddenly feel they are totally overwhelmed. So we have two sides again, but every leader uh, and every person in a leadership position and actually every person in a position and for themselves need to understand today how this works uh, to not just um, be dragged into something where they are totally overwhelmed by a wave of uh, positive or negative communication they can't handle at all. 
I, I really like the, the idea of influencer and leader, you know, are the, the future leaders the influencer or are the influencers the future leaders, right? So because, because I think that a leader today is way closer for the modern leader, it's way closer to an influencer than to a manager. Yeah, for me. So, 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 so the way of, I, I think a, a, like a modern leader would lead the way, the, the way, right? So would be rather as an influence that somebody who inspires, right? Gives you an, an idea you can grasp, you can follow, right? Something that is, you know, and, and, but that you want to follow, you know, you create an idea that people want to follow. You don't put an idea top down on people. But and, and and that's why I really like it. No, because because that's that's I think how you lead also lead people within an organization, like an influencer, like somebody who comes comes up and and creates an, a, a catchy idea that people themselves go for and want to follow. You know, so that's why I really like it in the other way as well, right? It's not only about leaders being strong influencers on social media, but also we the way of how we lead is actually way closer to to being an influencer. Amazing, thank you. Thank you. I would uh, now move over to uh, Anil, who had a more uh, overarching question on the role of leaders with respect to government. Thank you. Uh, so my question is more about the government regulations that we face in uh, Europe in specific or in uh, all of the world in general. You know, uh, recently I have an example where I, talk, I talked to a medical company uh, where I suggested that they have to do some analysis and, some, and predict the, uh, jo uh, uh, the, the things that patients might come up with, uh, the health conditions that the patients might face. But then they said that that is against European law. So uh, should, should we also as leaders think about how we can educate governments and come up with some healthy ways in which they can regulate at the same time support this transformation? Because... Government is in a situation wherein they are unable to regulate, so that's why they are simply denying. So, yeah. I can try to start, Anil. Difficult question. Um, two things come to my mind. First of all, yes, I think uh, basically you're right. Um, there is a lack of uh, expertise, uh, also a lack of openness for innovative uh, approaches in, in many governments, and that uh, turns out to be a problem, problem once in a while. On the other hand, I see something like a basically different approach, um, how companies and how governments uh, should work with uh, these uh, topics of technological innovation, because um, governance, governments need to... Uh, come up with um, a set of rules that are kind of reliable. They can't change them week after week, like, oh, now we understand this is like this. No, we change it. And now we understand a bit more, we change it again. So that's probably difficult. And um, the problem that is related to that is that technology is developing, like we, we uh, discussed before, so fast that um, at the moment I see that governments come up with with slight approaches to to regulation that late that even um the the matter of facts are there and uh, everything had just has just been installed you see this again with the example of facial recognition where we can see a lot of developments uh, and a lot of discussion now or should we have allowed for um, um uh, the spread of this technology like uh, it has uh, spread uh, up to now or should we have done something about it um question 
no answer up to now. Um, it starts now. But uh, that, that's basically a different um, logic that, that uh, is applied to, to the innovation process from, from um, the perspective of a, of a company on the one hand side, the perspective of the government on the other hand side. And in between, you have the citizens or the consumers who would like to use um, modern technology and be um, um, offered the best technological solutions. Uh, companies want to do that and governments sometimes are very slow in figuring out how they, they deal with it from a regulatory uh, perspective. I don't have a solution for that, but I think there is there is a discrepancy and, and uh, there is a conflict that you described very well. I was I was stepping stepping back because uh, I don't have a solution. Yeah, uh, I I just think this whole idea of country and uh, the whole uh, thing of how it's uh, executed, so how we execute on the idea of country, is a it's a real mess. And uh, and I I really don't know how to solve it because I think the system of of the future, is, I you know I think that our the, the if if we don't see a massive change of how a country is operating, it might become obsolete. You know people might find ways around it. You know and and I think that's also very dangerous because I think there's a lot of things where where we we need cooperation where we need like rules set and so on and so on but but the problem is that we are so slow in evolving you know and, and that's the problem of the system the system a rule you know a state as, as Miriam said sometimes you have to have these rules right and it's and 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 a country in a state is a rule-based system but rule-based systems are incredibly slow because because it's there's a rule right so a rule is is, is always kind of like uh, you know, it's 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 legacy knowledge basically and legacy decisions, right? Because it's old in the moment where you make the rule. I, I don't have a I have a solution for that. I just have a fear. You know, I have to have a fear that there's a big conflict in the future with that coming up, and um, and and yeah, and then I I just see a huge necessity of of the regulatory system. To 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 evolve, I see a huge 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 necessity to to evolve faster. Uh, and and yeah, I can I and I but you know I can't do it, but but we we somehow we have to. So somehow we have to find a solution. Maybe one example of when you were just while we were just talking about it, uh, it came to my mind. I just went to to Taipei uh, one and a half years ago, and they have a very interesting model. I was really totally impressed by that. Uh, maybe so. That's uh, that's one answer to to your question. I mean, a very practical one. The president, the Taiwanese president, um, uh, she does a hackathon for all of the population once a year. And she presides, the jury of the hackathon, and they give out a task, but the other, the population can come up with own issues they want to work on and everyone can work on it. And then um, they, they send in their projects and the jury um, uh, evaluates the projects and the five best rated projects pitch to the president and the jury. And the best project that is then selected uh, will be uh, really put into practice. And there is money put aside for real, turning this uh, project into real practical politics. And what they did in the course of these hackathon, hackathons was, for example, to um, totally uh, a total reset for their uh, tax 
system uh, on, on a digital technology basis. And that was really impressive to see. So, I mean, maybe you can argue Taiwan is a very, is, 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 a, is an island, it's a very small uh, state, but still that I don't think it's an argument for or against being open to, to um, reframe how you make a government work. And just like Rolf said, that has to evolve. And we have a few examples how this can work. Also in Estonia, in some of the Scandinavian countries, we just have to uh, have to take advantage of that and, and, and see what we could use of that and how we can f develop it further. I, you know, I think, I think it's super interesting because on one hand, it's a little bit like, like, like the corporate company structure, right? So you have these old, super large organizations. And for them, going through a transition is just super hard. And, and, and there the problem is solved very easily because most of them will die, right? And you will have startups picking up and will grow and so on, right? So the problem is that if you, if you, if you would just transfer that system on a, a global perspective and looking at countries, right? You know, the, 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 it's a different problem because yes, you might have these small uh, countries faster, be, being faster and innovating, right? But but the large one will not just easily die, you know. So, so, and, and I think there's a conflict because we, 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 because it always comes with the ultimate power, and and I I think I don't know I, I think it's dangerous. I think I, I think we see large systems which are unable to change quickly quickly enough uh, because of many reasons, and when looking at just from a systematic idea system system approach, I I think it's very dangerous. I think it's very dangerous. I, and then, and I, I'm not so sure if, if, if you know, this, this, this large organizations, large countries can go with the same innovational speed, speed that these small, small ones can, can go. Right. Thanks for sharing your ideas and concerns. Thank you. Now I've put Shivani in the full spotlight. Um, thank you very much. Um, we are reaching the end of our today's session, but uh, we have one more question. Shivano, please go ahead. Good evening, everyone. So um, we talked about leaders who are very informed about digitalization. And on the other hand, we have leaders who are not that up to speed. Uh, for the former, growth uh, most likely becomes you know, the center. And the safety and empowerment that has to be there ends up taking the, the side. Um, and on the other hand, for the leaders who are not up to speed with digitalization, they might end up ignoring these topics because uh, digitalization has its own challenges and if they are not informed, um, these could very well be ignored. So how do we ensure that the leaders are informed and they are making sure that safety and empowerment are the center of digitalization and not just growth? I think I think it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a huge question, right? I mean, it's something that I ask myself uh, every day, like how can we how can we make sure that people that we we take people along and that we inform people and so on? Um, as I said before, we 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 have a mechanism in in economy, you know, that is taking care of that, and that is that at the end, company that will not be successful will probably die. You know, and and I think that is some, and, and and probably we have to go through some of these processes, and even so, they might be hard. I I don't believe that we can transition everybody. Yeah, that's my personal belief, and I am happy that there are other people who think you can. 
and you can go in these large organizations, you can transition them, and you can make sure that everybody understands it. And I, I, I don't say you shouldn't try. Um, I'm, I, I just think that I, I, th I think will not. I think I think we will not be able to take all of these these these, these companies along. And it will be a change process, and the change process will happen not within the company, so that but often it will happen with the company. And I think I think maybe that's also a good argument. You know, it's also a good argument because if the change doesn't happen within, it will happen with you. You know, and and you can you can of course create always your little environment, right? So so you can base your little you can you can build walls and you can create your own environment. You can be a socialistic state, like like in the old times, right? And then you can, for a cup, for for some time, in the socialistic state, you can create your, you know, you you can create your own little environment, right? In the moment, yeah, but 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 then, you know, it's it's there's a big collapse at one point, you know. And I think the same is true for 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 like a company. You can you can you can create boundaries, and you can have your own little bubble, right? And you in in, in which in which things and you which you make things very stable hierarchical, crystallized, and so on, right? But 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 then one day, one external effect will come. Some innovation will come, something will come, and the whole thing will collapse. And it will not be, there would not be a part that will be collapsed. There will be not be a function that will collapse. The whole thing will collapse because it's so crystallized that there is no ch uh, chance that it changes. You know, and 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 I, and I think that is, that's, that's, that's a big problem, you know, in, and, and, and if, so if you, so, so what I believe in, if you do not let the company die from within, so if you not be busy, have change happening, you know, have things moving around, um, let people, let ide old ideas die, you know, th this will happen. That's actually a great um, um, finishing line. We all have to die a bit to survive. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> No, but maybe I add just two more uh, sentences. First of all, in, in the digital economy, I think we have a couple of examples, uh, a growing uh, amount of examples that show us that uh, growth for the sake of growth without safety and empowerment will not be successful. Think of the first phase of Uber. Think of the growth story of WeWork, the beginning of it. Uh, it just doesn't work out. And it's also... As to my observation, uh, not by chance, that you always have these issues of harassment, of mistreating uh, employees in, in the, these parts of the story. Um, so growth for the uh, sake of growth is a problem. Um, and that is not only true for the digital economy. If you think of Daimler Chrysler, uh, the, the huge merger that uh, went wrong and uh, didn't succeed, same issue there. You need to empower people. You need to give people safety uh, to develop. You need to give people freedom to develop. You need to care about uh, the, the different um, realms of, of motivation, leadership, empowerment of people. If you don't, it won't succeed. And I think we can learn from that. And I really hope that um, that uh, this is an experience uh, from, from the very practical uh, part of uh, the digital, the first uh, stages of the digital economy where we can really learn from and, and do better. Thank you. Cool, then um, I'm taking over the closing words. We're already 10 after half past um, eight. Um, thank you very much, everyone, uh, for joining in. Thank you, Miriam, for your time.
um, for your thoughts, for your perspective. Uh, it was very great to have you on the panel. Thank you all for, <laughs> for another round. Uh, it was a really great uh, discussion. Um, I really enjoyed it, learned a lot again, a lot of perspectives on how leadership applies to whole society, the world, and how, how we live in that world. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Have a nice evening, everybody. And hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks to everyone thank out you. there and for the great discussion. Yeah, Miriam was a lot of fun as always. Thank, thanks a lot. Yes, let's, let's, it was. Let's do that again. <laughs> let's do that again. Yes, yeah. we will. <laughs> thank you. Enjoy the bye evening. Bye. bye.